This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. On that later on in the show, but I do want to move into this area here that I found really interesting. Shell has announced it's working with the Environmental Defense Fund in an Alberta methane detection pilot. Now, uh, this is a pilot, but it's an unlikely partnership. That's how they've been billing it here. Obviously, the Environmental Defense Fund and Shell, not normally groups you'd expect to find on the same side of of issues here. And I want to welcome in to talk about this Drew Nelson, uh, who is in international affairs for the Environment Environmental Defense Fund. It's good to have you on the show, Drew. Thanks very much for joining me. Uh, thank you, Andrew. It's great to be here. Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you just fine. So let's talk about this, uh, the unlikely nature of this partnership. Uh, th- this is not exactly the match made in heaven, I think, here. What drove these two organizations to the table? Uh, well, so where I work, the Environmental Defense Fund, uh, our slogan is finding the ways that work. And, and for us, it's, it's not just a slogan. It's a core part of who we are and what we do. We look for uh, pragmatic solutions to difficult environmental problems. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot of issues right now with the environmental footprint of the oil and gas industry. And so we are working with uh, leading companies to try to find solutions that minimize those impacts. Uh, Shell has been a, a leader on these issues for, for quite some time. Um, and when we launched this methane detector challenge a couple of years ago, um, it, it was something that just made a lot of sense. It, it, it's an effort to incentivize and catalyze innovation uh, and unleash the innovative spirit that is so prevalent within the oil and gas industry uh, to solve not just technical and engineering challenges, uh, but also environmental ones as well. So it, it kind of meshed with both of um, the, the sweet spots from an environmental perspective and from uh, an industry perspective. Well, I think that's really encouraging because obviously there is this general perception, certainly among the more radical people on the environmental side, that an oil or gas company is inherently anti-environment. And, and I, I'm not going to deny there hasn't been a certainly an, underter- an undertone of that in the past with, with various companies, and, and some would argue even in the present. But by and large, it sounds like companies are willing to try to tackle these issues, certainly now when there's a microscope on them on these issues in a way that hasn't always been there as, as strongly. Well, I think that's certainly true for, for leading companies. Uh, I don't know if that's true uh, across the industry as a whole. It's always dangerous to make blanket statements, but, mm-hmm. but certainly with the companies that are uh, working with us to try to find solutions uh, to this problem, I, I think you can make that statement pretty clearly. So what is the problem itself here? What is it that this partnership is solving? Uh, well, a lot of people, when they think of climate change uh, and air pollution, they, they think of carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is... Uh, the most common greenhouse gas, and um, it is uh, what's driving uh, a lot of the climate change that we're going to experience many years into the future, because when carbon dioxide goes into the atmosphere, it stays there for for eons. Uh, But a lot of people don't know that the second most common greenhouse gas, uh, and it's also a big contributor to local air quality issues, uh, is methane. Um, And methane Unlike carbon dioxide, when it goes into the atmosphere, it disappears pretty quickly, um, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, The good thing is it disappears pretty quickly. Uh, The bad thing is that uh, in the process of disappearing, one molecule of methane is 84 times more potent than one molecule of carbon dioxide. Um, So because methane disappears so quickly, uh, reductions that we make today of methane, we can essentially start to feel tomorrow. 
so that means that in a world in which we're breaking highs for temperature, in a world which we're already uh, seeing some of the impacts of climate change, if we can drive down emissions of methane, we can start to limit some of the impacts that we're already feeling from climate change. So as far as the time span of this, this doesn't sound like an overnight process by any stretch. Uh, no. Uh, so the the solutions exist today uh, to reduce oil and gas methane emissions. Uh, there was an analysis that came out a couple of years ago that found that Canada's oil and gas industry could reduce uh, its emissions by about 50% for around $2.5 per ton of carbon dioxide equivalent, which is amongst some of the most cost-effective reductions that exist in Canada. Um, so there are cost-effective solutions, but that's not to say that you can't find better, cheaper, faster solutions. And so the idea behind uh, this methane detector challenge is, is how do you unleash uh, the innovative spirit of the industry, as I was mentioning earlier, to, uh, to, to find those better, cheaper, faster solutions, and that's what this detector is all about. It's, think of it as a, as a smoke alarm uh, for a, a, a well pad or a compressor station, uh, that if there's a problem, it's always on, and if there's a problem, it'll alert the operator, say, hey, there's a problem here. Uh, whereas right now, in the United States, where I'm based, the, the regulatory best practice is to have operators uh, go out there four times a year to check for leaks. Um, and hmm. so while that's currently the best practice now, um, and the proposed federal regulations are, are three times a year, um, it would be much better and much more efficient uh, to have this sort of sector that's always on. And just to kind of give you a sense of, of the scale, um, you know, we're not talking about uh, just a couple of small leaks here that don't really matter. Um, the the amount of methane that is wasted by the oil and gas industry uh, in 2015 was equivalent to $320 million hmm. worth of lost gas. Um, so there, there and, is an economic but, benefit to it as well. Oh, absolutely, yeah, uh, which is why it's so cost-effective to make these reductions. And, you know, $320 million worth of gas doesn't really mean much to a lot of folks. So, so to put that further in context, that's enough gas to heat every home in Calgary and Edmonton combined. And that's wow. how much is wasted on an annual basis. So I guess the big question is, I mean, why does it require for a lot of companies pressure to do something that even on a balance sheet makes so much sense? You know, it's a great question. Um, and uh, these companies are, are not the business of finding in 16 leaks. These companies are in the business of going out and drilling the next well. Um, and so in many ways, it's a lot like energy efficiency. You know, people know that it's more energy efficient to have a uh, LED light bulb or, or to have better insulation, but don't always get around to doing it, uh, even though they know it's cost-effective to, to make those changes. Um, so same with these oil and gas companies. They know it's cost-effective to... Uh, reduce these methane emissions, but it is uh, more cost-effective to go and drill the next well, which is why, from our perspective at the Environmental Defense Fund, we believe that, that strong regulations are needed to help provide the incentive to, uh, to make uh, the changes necessary to, to adopt and, and, and minimize these emissions. So I guess the one thing I just wanted to confirm, and I, I think I got a sense of this when you were speaking a, a couple of moments ago, this is not even something that requires a, a particularly bold or innovative uh, evolution of technology. It sounds like the technology is already there. It's just about a company really deciding to implement it. Correct. And, and again, the purpose of, of this methane detector challenge is, is to find that next generation of technologies that make this even better, even more efficient, e uh, even cheaper. Um, and so while those technologies aren't available yet, 
there are technologies available today that, that can reduce this pretty quickly and pretty easily. So let's get back to the partnership itself here, because one thing that I, I saw you say in another uh, media uh, media outlet website, rather, was was really that, that, that this was a much more productive way to find solutions. And, and you noted that, you know, you could have launched some uh, petition campaign or some, you know, public pressure campaign to do this. But this was all done really through negotiations and discussions. There wasn't a, a demonization of the so-called other side of this. And I, I think that's really encouraging. And I think that's something other groups should take heed of as well. I mean, it's a, a really modern adaptation of that old adage of uh, getting more flies with honey than vinegar. Yeah, you know, uh, every group has its own approach to, to how it solves issues. Um, and from our perspective, you know, you, you're not going to find a solution without uh, reaching across the table and, and, and with people that you're trying to um, ha- have a solution imposed upon without understanding what they want and, and what they need and, and how to resolve the issue in a way that's mutually beneficial. And, and so that's a lot of what we tried to do with this methane detector challenge. We both sides of the table recognize that um, there is an, an opportunity for innovation here. So we said, okay, well, let's let's catalyze that innovation. Let's have this detector challenge and, and let's go do it and, and find a solution here. Um, and, and, and that's not to say that there aren't other solutions that, um, uh, that don't get equal results with vinegar, but for this particular topic and for this particular issue, uh, we found a, a fantastic and willing partner with Shell and many other, uh, seven other companies um, but Shell is, is, is piloting it in Canada uh, to uh, to try to make this work. So, what constitutes a measurable success of the pilot? Uh, well, from what I understand, one of the reasons why Shell decided to test it in Alberta uh, is because Alberta has a number of uh, unique weather situations that you don't find in parts mm-hmm. of the U.S. So, oh, uh, yes, we do. There's one. To, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's about 45 degrees here in Texas today. Um, so nice. And All right, I'm hanging up on you. If you're um, going to talk like that. <laughs> um, so you know, here in Texas, where I'm based, uh, you don't have the cold. You don't have as much as the wind. There's one detector that's being um, implemented, uh, tested here. Another one in Southern California. Uh, but that those cold winters, those windy conditions, don't exist here. And so uh, I think one of the reasons why Shell decided to do this in Alberta was to subject the te- the the instrument to some new and innovative uh, conditions, if you will, to see how it holds up and to see how the technology can be improved based on those unique circumstances. But I mean, that would indicate they're not just looking to pacify potential opposition here. It looks like they actually want to find a solution for this, which I think is a positive. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's my sense as well. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I think Shell has been a leader on the methane issue, both internationally uh, and in Canada. Um, and while we don't agree on, on everything, I, I think we, we both agree that the need to address methane and, and find the solutions to, to reduce those emissions. And, and this is uh, a very potentially uh, game-changing way to do so if these technologies proven, get proven out and if they can be scaled up at, at cost. Um, so, you know, it's one thing to test the technologies, which is what we're doing now, uh, and then we have to produce them in such a way and the entrepreneurs that are developing these technologies have to produce them in such a way that they're cost effective and can be implemented um, uh, across the industry uh, and that scalability is sometimes quite the challenge but this is the first hurdle to overcome and and i think we uh are getting close to trying to figure out if that's possible. Joining me on the line is Drew Nelson, International Affairs for the Environmental Defense Fund's U.S. Climate and Energy Program. Drew, thanks for the time today. Great talking with you. 
Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. And have a good uh, afternoon. All right. Yourself as well. When we come back in a couple of moments, more afternoons here on News Talk 770. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.